Hey, everybody. We've got an emergency podcast here. Matt Norlander here with you. I am not on the remainder of this podcast. GP was able to squeeze one out real quick while I was tending to other writing and covering duties here. But big news, Oklahoma State, which is going to appeal, has been dosed a postseason ban for 2021 in addition to plenty of other penalties. Gary Parrish has you covered in its entirety. This is a Friday emergency pod. Let's get it going. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, June 5th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is not here with me. He's tied up with other things, but I don't want to wait on him to be able to discuss the NCAA's punishment of Oklahoma State that was announced this afternoon. So here I am, solo, breaking away like Beyonce. If you missed the news, here are the details. Oklahoma State was hit by the NCAA with a one-year postseason ban, three years probation, a fine in excess of $10,000, three scholarship losses over the next three years, a reduction of official visits, a restriction on unofficial visits, a reduction of recruiting days, and a few other little things. Meantime, former Oklahoma State assistant Lamont Evans, the man who caused all of this, he got a 10-year show cause penalty after refusing to cooperate with the NCAA. So yeah, the punishment is severe. For Oklahoma State and for Lamont Evans. And the background, by the way, of the case is this. While Lamont Evans was on staff at Oklahoma State, he accepted around $22,000 from two financial advisors after agreeing to steer student-athletes in their direction. And it should be noted that the school that employed him before Oklahoma State, South Carolina, that school has also received a notice of allegations from the NCAA. So this heavy punishment is not a good sign for Frank Martin's Gamecocks, or Kansas, or USC, or Arizona, or LSU, or Auburn, or any other school that had somebody caught up in the FBI investigation in some form. I mean, if Oklahoma State got hit this hard for one level one violation committed by a person it only employed for six months after the school, according to the NCAA, cooperated completely with the investigation, like if they got hit that hard, What in the world is it going to mean for these other schools? I would assume not good things. Like Auburn had an assistant coach, Chuck Person, caught doing the same thing. So did Arizona, Book Richardson. So did USC, Tony Bland. So if the NCAA follows the precedent that it just set, and who knows if it will, but if it does, then Auburn, USC, and Arizona, at the very least, can expect future postseason bans. And don't forget, Kansas is facing five level one violations. Oklahoma State had one. Kansas got five. And don't forget, LSU's head coach is on a wiretap talking about strong-ass offers made in violation of NCAA rules. So, yeah, I would assume bad things are almost certainly on the way for those programs. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. So, anyway, I went, went on CBS Sports HQ earlier, like right after the news broke, and I was asked a number of questions. But one of them was, you know, is this punishment too severe? And to that, I guess I'd say this. On one hand, it undeniably stinks that a coaching staff and a bunch of players who had nothing to do with this are going to pay a big price for someone else's sins. Like, I feel sick for Mike Boynton, for the players on that roster. You know, Lamont Evans did something in violation of NCAA rules that quite clearly he should not have been doing, and he got caught, and he's paid a significant price. He's a convicted felon. He is unemployed, at least unemployed in his previous profession, which was college basketball coaching. 
But nobody else on that campus, literally nobody else on the campus had anything to do with it. And now they will have their program put in a really tough situation going forward with scholarship reductions and uh, visit reductions and all of the other things. But the biggest one is is the postseason ban. Like it is June 5th and barring a successful appeal, Mike Boynton and every player in his locker room who had nothing to do with this already know they have no chance of of playing in the 2021 NCAA tournament. That's awful. That's awful. And I feel sick for all of them. So that is one way of looking at it. And that is partly how I look at it. But there is another side. And the other side is this. Folks have been screaming for years that they want the NCAA to really punish programs that employ people who violate the rules. And that's exactly what the NCAA did this afternoon. They did what you say you want them to do. Most of you. Forget the slaps on the wrist. And if we're being honest, everything short of a postseason ban is a slap on the wrist. Scholarship reductions, not ideal. You can work around them. A reduction in off-campus recruiting days, not ideal. You can get around them. Any of the little stuff like that, you can work around. If you are a smart and successful college basketball coach who has a smart and successful college basketball staff. But there's no way around a postseason ban. You can still recruit with recruiting restrictions on your program. You cannot go to the NCAA tournament if you're banned from the NCAA tournament. No getting around that one. So that's always been the only punishment that really has some teeth. And so if you are somebody who has insisted for years that the cheaters get off with slaps on the wrist, well, then this should be a good day for you. And I understand that the current coaching staff and roster at Oklahoma State had nothing to do with this, and so they are getting hit the hardest, even though they are innocent bystanders. The truth is there's just no way to get around the NCAA punishment phase without people who sometimes, if not often, had nothing to do with what happened being punished. It's the way the system is set up. You have to punish the school. Also the coach, but but the school that employed him while he was doing what he was doing. And that's all the NCAA has done today. So on this one, it's hard to talk out of both sides of your mouth. You can't scream that you want programs to be punished severely when they have people on staff who violate NCAA rules and get caught, and then when they are punished severely, scream that, well, that's too much. I understand the frustration if you're the Oklahoma State administration. I understand the frustration if you're Mike Boyne. I understand the heartbreak if you're a player in that locker room. But if you are somebody who wants the NCAA punishment phase to have some teeth, well, again, this is what you've been asking for, and so now here we are. The rough thing for Oklahoma State, and this will be rough under any circumstances in any year, knowing in June that you can't play deep into March is just a gut punch any year for any program. 
It's especially bad for Oklahoma State right now because Cowboys are set to enroll a top 10 recruiting class highlighted by the number one player in the class of 2020 who is projected to be the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft, Kay Cunningham. He has signed his letter of intent to go to Oklahoma State. And he might still go there. I don't know. His brother is on staff. That probably matters some. And let me be clear before I say what else I'm going to say about this situation. Um, I have no interest in telling Kate Cunningham what he should do. Like he should do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to go to Oklahoma State with no chance of playing in the NCAA tournament, go to Oklahoma State. If he wants to go somewhere else where he'll have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, then ask for your release. He'll get it. Or he'll get a waiver to go elsewhere. It's not a complicated process. And do that. And if he wants to go to the G League program for several hundred thousand dollars and just train for the next year, do that. Doesn't matter to me. I stopped a while ago telling other people what life choices they should make. Like when I was younger, when I first had this job, I thought I knew exactly what everybody should do at all times. Like what coach should take what job and what job he should turn down, what 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 player should enter the NBA draft and which one should come back to school where prospects should go and what schools they should avoid. But then as I got older, because as you get older, you start to realize that, well, some of us start to realize, not everybody, but some of us do. You start to realize that what you prioritize might not be what somebody else prioritizes. Like what's important to me might not be important to that coach or that player or that prospect. And coincidentally, the player who helped me realize this most was another Oklahoma State player, Marcus Smart. I've told the story before, but I was in Orlando, uh, you know, the, the, the Thanksgiving tournament that happens at Walt Disney World, and Oklahoma State was there, and I, on maybe the off day, I think they play on Thursday, Friday, take Saturday off, and then play on Sunday. On one of those days, it doesn't matter. I sat down with Marcus Smart, because remember, this is after he had come back for another year of school, after it was crystal clear he was going to be a top five pick in the previous NBA draft. I think Travis Ford, who was the Oklahoma State coach at the time, told me that he had been told Marcus could have gone as high as two, no lower than four, something in that range. I mean, a consensus top five pick in the draft. Decided to come back to school. And in real time, I was like, what are you doing? Well, you're projected top five pick. Go get the money. Get on with your professional career. But he didn't want to. He wanted to come back to Oklahoma State. And I sat down with Marcus Smart, and I said, Help me understand your decision-making process. And he was incredibly mature. Honestly, he had thought about it more thoughtfully than I had thought about it. And I was, I don't know, probably 10, 11, 12 years older than him. He said, first and foremost, I trust that the money's going to be there whenever I want to be a professional basketball player. I believe in myself. You know, career-ending injuries in basketball are not really a real thing. I mean, it can happen, but it doesn't. Even if I were to get hurt, I'm going to be a lottery pick. I trust that I'll be a millionaire someday no matter what. And I didn't want to give up on what I would have been given up. On being maybe the best player in college basketball. On playing you know, at Oklahoma State, a school I love. At maybe leading this school to a Final Four. Now, none of those things happen, right? But like they were all reasonable things that he thought could be achieved. 
And he said, more than that, though, like right now, I am living with my best friends. I'm living with my best friends. I'm a star in this sport. I'm on a good team. I play on national television twice a week. I play in packed arenas every night. This is fun. I love this. And I didn't want to give up on that. Now, again, from my perspective, I was like, I'd take the money. But he had thought through it, and he thought the money would be there. He didn't want to give up that experience. And it is that story and other stories that have helped me realize over the years, like, just because you prioritize, prioritize things in a certain order, it doesn't mean that everybody else does. So stop giving everybody else advice. Or, more specifically, stop telling everybody what they should do. Perhaps you could provide advice. But don't tell them what to do because what matters to you might not matter to them. And I saw that to say I would say the exact same thing about Kay Cunningham right now. If it were me or if he were my son, there is no way I would want me or my son to enroll at a school when I know I'm only going to be in school one year. I assume I'm only going to be in school one year to enroll at a school that cannot play in the NCAA tournament. Like to the extent that players do dream about playing college basketball. They don't dream about playing a bye game against Texas Southern on a Tuesday night in December. They dream about going to the NCAA tournament. And I would not want to spend my one year in college at a place that was banned from the NCAA tournament. That's me speaking for me. And so... If Kay Cunningham decides that, it's certainly understandable. But if he decides, you know what, I don't care. I've just made up my mind. I want to go to Oklahoma State. I love the campus. I love the arena. I love the fans. My brother's there. This is unfortunate, but I'm going to stay true to my commitment at Oklahoma State. That's fine with me. I don't think it's what I would do, but it's fine with me. I won't judge him. But it does seem like the more likely scenario is the one I previously mentioned, which is Let's go somewhere where we can play for the opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. Or let's just go join this G League program that he had considered once upon a time and skip college basketball completely. Because what is the point of playing college basketball if you already know you cannot go to the NCAA tournament? He's got a hard decision to make. Hard decision to make. And I'm sure he'll be pulled in a lot of different directions. I mean, imagine you're Mike Boynton. You hire his brother to make this thing happen, it happens, and now it could theoretically get pulled away because of an NCAA punishment that you had nothing to do with. Like I said, it stinks. But the most interesting thing going forward now is what does Cade Cunningham decide to do? I promise you, every school that was in there before he committed to Oklahoma State, signed with Oklahoma State, they'll be back in there right now. Kentucky, probably front and center. He's an incredible talent. Literally anybody in the country would take him. And if he is weighing that reality against the reality of not playing in the NCAA tournament, well, again, he can make his own decision. But I know which way I think I would lean. I would lean toward trying to play somewhere where I can actually achieve the goals that I presumably imagine for myself and my teammates. And I guess I would close with this. It should be a lesson to other elite prospects who are out there. Be careful about 
but you might want to be careful about committing to a school, signing with a school that is operating under an NCAA cloud right now. There's a top 10 prospect in the country, a five-star center named Musa Cisse, who was supposed to announce his decision this week, but now he has pushed that back. So we'll see. But I think he's considering six schools, and two of them are operating under an NCAA cloud. One is LSU, and the other is Memphis. Do you really want to pick one of those schools and then be at risk of what has happened to uh, 2K Cunningham? Let's say you commit to LSU. Next thing you know, LSU is dealing with a postseason ban. Ugh. Let's say you commit to Memphis. Next thing you know, Memphis is dealing with a postseason ban. Rough. It's just something I've, I've always thought players should be more aware of. You don't want to go somewhere that is at risk of being punished in a way that punishes you. There are plenty of places out there that aren't dealing with NCAA clouds right now. And so, again, if I were a prospect, especially after this news was levied today, I'd be careful about looking at South Carolina, Kansas, USC, Arizona, LSU, Auburn, Memphis, any program that's operating on an NCAA cloud because what happened to Cade Cunningham today could theoretically happen to you, especially if you are going to be a multi-year player at a school. Like Cade Cunningham is a one-and-done guy. You might not be. So they might not be able to hit you in your one year. But if you enroll at one of those schools right now, is your sophomore year NCAA tournament possibility going to be ripped away? Your junior year NCAA tournament possibility ripped away? Maybe. And that's just something to be aware of. Because either Kate Cunningham was or he wasn't. Perhaps he was and didn't care. But I bet you he cares now. Because like I said, he's probably he's got a hard decision to make now. Does he follow through on his commitment to Oklahoma State? Does he go somewhere that isn't banned from the 2021 NCAA tournament? Or does he decide to join Jalen Green in that G League program for several hundred thousand dollars and just train in advance of the 2021 NBA draft, where he is, again, projected to be the number one overall pick? Tough decision. I wish him luck. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. He is a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you for listening. Um, I know this is a, a different type of podcast because Norlander's not here, but whenever we uh, get back together, he'll be present. Like I said at the top, he's just tied up right now. But I appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast anywhere you subscribe to podcast. And I'll talk to you again real, real soon. Till then, take care.